We are going through um, the healings of Jesus in the book of Mark. And let me see. Do I need to move further back? I think this was the problem last week or a couple of weeks ago as well. You guys hear a little bit of ringing? Cool? All right. Our passage today is from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Will it help if I use this microphone? All right. Thank you, June. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Will you follow along in your Bible or the bulletin on your phone? And a leper came to him, referring to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and he said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is the word of God. A question for us. Have you ever felt like an outsider? Do you know what it's like to be shunned? Uh, I think this is a bit of a common experience for probably everyone from the very mundane things. If you go to a party, um, some corporate events, um, you may not feel like you fit in. Or it could go beyond that, far beyond that. Some of us may feel on a deep level that we will never be accepted by our family or our organization, or a social group, or whatever it is that matters to us, we may have felt deeply that I will never be a part of this group of people. We read this passage from the book of Mark, and though it's short, there's so much to pull from it. In fact, there's so much that I can't, there's a lot I want to say about it. There's a lot that I um, was digging into as as I was looking into the text, and I can't cover everything, but what I do want to focus on are the multiple ways that this leper, he experienced the healing from Jesus. And in order for us to understand and really appreciate what's happening in this passage, we first need to know what it meant to be a leper in first century Galilee, which is where today's story takes place. So um, the leper, obviously he had leprosy, which was a skin disease. And in in the Old Testament, leprosy was considered judgment from God. The book of Leviticus contains long sections filled with instructions on how to deal with leprosy and what to do with those people who have leprosy. The Jewish scholar Alfred Edersheim, he describes leprosy this way. The disease, which we today call leprosy, generally begins with pain in certain areas of the body. Numbness follows. Soon the skin in such spots loses its original color. It gets to be thick, glossy, and scaly. As the sickness progresses, the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to poor blood supply. The skin, especially around the eyes and ears, begin to, begins to bunch with deep furrows between the swellings so that the face of the afflicted individual begins to resemble that of a lion. Fingers drop off or, or are absorbed. Toes are affected similarly. His horse, his throat becomes hoarse, and you can now not only see, feel, and smell the leper, but you can hear his rasping voice. 
And if you stay with him for some time, you can even imagine a peculiar taste in your own mouth, probably due to the odor. This is the physical elements of leprosy. It was a contagious disease, and because it was contagious, there was a lot of fear, a lot of superstition around it. And in addition to the physical misery, there was the social element which compounded the misery of those who had leprosy. And in many ways, it was more, it was worse than the physical aspect. In the book of Leviticus, here is the, what lepers are supposed to do. From Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. The person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. Now, can you imagine this? This is the reality of the man in today's passage. Not only is there physical suffering misery, there is this social, um, he's a social outcast. He cannot participate in the life of the community. We don't really know much about this man. We don't know his age, his marital status, not what his life was like before he contracted the, the disease. And I think perhaps the gospel writers, they wrote with intention. And maybe Mark, the writer of this gospel, he wrote, he didn't include any details about this leper's life, maybe because he wanted us to understand what it felt like for him to be dehumanized. This man was defined completely by his disease. He was a no-name, forgotten person whose entire identity was defined by this disease that, that devoured him. And Therefore, we're left to our imaginations as to what this man was like. So, I'm going to take our imaginations and let's imagine together what this man's life was like, perhaps before the leprosy and after. So, this is fictional, um, but uh, I want us to put some flesh to this picture that we have of this nameless man. So, here is what I'm imagining. Here's a man who was once a young man with family and friends who loved him. He worked in the market and he made small talk with his customers. Everyone liked him. He loved to tell off-color jokes and his smile caught the attention of a young woman. And they too, they became, became inseparable, inseparable soon and they dreamt about their life together. His parents, they were excited about the potential and they talked about the grandchildren that they would hold as a result of this pairing. This young man was saving up for the future, and he was talking to his associates about expanding his business. To him, the whole world was available. He had a bright future to look forward to. And then one day, something seemed off. His hand felt sore. He didn't think much of it. But then, the next day, his hand felt numb as he was holding a heavy bag. He thought, ah, it's nothing. But then he noticed blood on his shirt, and he saw a cut on his pinky, and he thought, that's weird. I didn't feel anything. Why am I bleeding? In the coming days, there were more of these occurrences, and he realized what was happening. He was infected, and then everything in his life came crashing down. His friends, at first, they showed sympathy, but soon they cut him off. His mother wept because her son had leprosy, and he could not go to comfort her. And neither could she go to him to comfort him. 
the girl that he planned to marry tearfully told him that they could no longer be together. And this man, as a Jewish man, he knew what he must, have, must do. The only people he could spend time with from now on would be other lepers. And the only thing he could do to survive was beg outside the city gates. And this is what he did month after month. And every time he had to go somewhere, he had to yell out, unclean, unclean, wearing the tattered clothes. Month after month, year after year. And he washed his toes and his fingers rot. His skin, his skin became thick and scaly. And every day he'd be consumed about not just the present physical misery, but also what would happen next? What part of my body is going to be affected next? The worst part of it was how people around him reacted. People would cross the street when they saw him. And they told their children not to stare at him. No one wanted to get close to him. He was an an untouchable. Most people avoided eye contact with him, and they were grossed out by him. He had not been hugged or touched in years. He was tortured by memories of his past life and tortured by the constant reminders that he would never have the normal life that he thought he would. His life was all misery and loneliness, physical and social and relational. And then he gets word that there is a man by the name of Jesus healing people in Capernaum. And he found out that he was headed to Galilee, where he was, outside the city gates. So he positioned himself by the main entrance, and there he sees Jesus. And now we get to the point in the scriptures where it tells us this is actually what happens. If you will, you can make me clean. And so Jesus, he reaches out his hand and he touches him. And in these next few moments, I want us to consider the significance of this healing and the heart of Jesus in the story. And I have three, uh, I'm going to try to make them short points. Three points. Number one, the sickness of the leper. Number two, the pity of Jesus. And number three, the purpose of Jesus. So the first point, the sickness of the leper. There is the physical aspect, which I um, expounded on a bit. So let me just add a bit more to it. The Jewish historian Josephus, he wrote that, that to be banished as a leper meant that you were in no way different from a corpse. If someone saw that you had leprosy, they considered you basically a zombie because you would not be anywhere near that person. Rabbis spoke of lepers as the living dead. And they considered a care for leprosy as com- something completely out of the question. That would be as difficult as raising someone from the dead. So there is a physical aspect of this disease. But there's more. If we look at the text, notice that the leper doesn't ask Jesus to heal him, which is really strange because you would think that his entire life he would want to be healed. But he says, Jesus, if you will, make me clean. Because what did it mean to be clean? It meant that others would see you as unclean. Instead of crying out, unclean, unclean, you could finally walk down the street without people gawking at you and being disgusted by you. He knew the implications of the healing went far beyond the physical. It went to the social. His identity will no longer be one of a leper, but someone with a name and someone with dignity. So Jesus, he heals him and he tells him, uh, the next thing you have to do is you need to go to the, authority, the the priests and you show them that you are sick. There was a procedure that was given to the Jewish people to be officially declared clean again. 
So there is a social um, aspect, which loneliness and being an outcast, being shunned by society, but Jesus, in healing him, he restores to him his dignity. Here is a human being worthy of relationship. And this is what God does in our lives when he touches us. He does the same for us, what he did to this man. He restores to us our dignity. He rehumanizes us when we dehumanize ourselves in our sin. He gives us dignity and he gives us a name. And for those of us who, you probably won't ever meet a leper. Um, and leprosy is not something that we deal with on uh, here in the 21st century West a whole lot. So you probably won't uh, ever have to deal with this type of disease. But there is something that that's deeper than this, which is this relational brokenness that we all feel at some points, maybe even now. We know what it's like to have a relationship broken. We know what it's like to be uh, looked down upon. We know what it's like to speak to someone in anger and have them speak to us in anger. And we know what it's like for a relationship to be injured and hurt and sick. So what does this story tell us in these few verses? It says to us that there is a deeper healing that goes beyond the physical healing that we can see. When God touches us, if we are in Christ, if we understand the gospel, if the gospel does its work in us, we can embody the reconciling work of God. God, when God's primary purpose in this passage is a reconciling of relationship. For those of us who are have relationships, um, you, you, you know what it's like to, the, the, the misery of that perhaps, um, that unease, that pain. As God does his work in us, he teaches us what it's like to be reconciled. He gives us reconciliation through his son. Second Corinthians chapter 5, this is what he says. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And then in Romans 5, while we were still yet God's enemies, sinners, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And Colossians 1, when Christ died, he was making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God is concerned. God cares about reconciliation, primarily reconciliation with him. But out from that is reconciliation with other people. Listen to Ephesians chapter 2. A bit of a long passage, but let me read this to you. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Is there hostility between you and someone else? The gospel provides the answer. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens 
We're not just citizens. We're fellow citizens with other people. When God heals us, we no longer see others as our enemy, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. God wants to reconcile brothers and sisters. God wants broken relationships to be fixed. This is one of the consequences of the gospel work happening in our life, is that our relationships, as painful as they may be, as much hurt as they may cause, we can say, here is someone who I may have, I may want nothing to do with. And I may be dehumanizing this person in my mind. But the gospel says, no, this person has a name. This person has dignity. Just as God did that to the leper, he restores in our mind our, the way that we see other people. Reconciliation, the mending of relationships. This is the social aspect of this healing. And then there is the spiritual healing that this man experienced. There was a numbness in this leprous man's body. Um, as a leper, he could touch a burning stove, and he would feel nothing. He could have a deep gash on his arm, and he would feel nothing. And this is a picture of sin in our lives. Sin not only has long-term consequences, there are also consequences in the here and now, because what does sin do? Sin deadens the way that we feel and experience the world. There are things that remind us of God's goodness in our life that we will not experience because they're of sin in our lives. When there is um, sin in our lives, we become numb to it, just like the lepers. Paul Brand, he was he's one of the uh, foremost advocates for the leper, for uh, the community of lepers. I'm not sure what um, what you would call them, but Paul Brand was a was a doctor who had a very active um, ministry to the lepers, and he did a lot of work on on uh, on the scientific front about what leprosy was. And he was the one that identified that leprosy is not just a skin disease that affects you from uh, the inside out. It actually begins at the tips of your uh, the tips of your digits or your skin. The, 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 the nerve endings, they start dying off and they don't work as they should. And his whole thing is this, that it is good for there to be pain. It's good for us to have that sensation of pain because pain alerts us. It tells us that there is something wrong. It moves us to do something about it. For the lepers, the, their curse was that they could feel no pain because if they did not feel pain, they would not know what to do. They, they would not be pushed to find a care for their disease. And the spiritual aspect of it is this, that sin will deaden us to, deaden our sensitivity to things that should cause us pain. So this is what Jesus did. He heals the physical aspect of this leper. He heals the social dimension, and he also heals the spiritual dimension. 
This is the healing that this man experienced. Our second point, the pity of Jesus. Verse 41, it tells us that Jesus was moved with pity. The Greek word for this, or the Greek phrase for this, um, for this word pity, it, it, it tells us that Jesus was filled with compassion. And I talked about this last week. Jesus felt a, not just, he didn't just feel sorry for the leper. He felt a, a, a co-suffering. He suffered alongside with this man. Um, there are, there's another way to look at this, this Greek phrase, which is that Jesus was filled with anger at this disease. And there are other passages in the Gospels that tell us that when Jesus, when Jesus sees or hears of something, um, terrible, he gets angry. He's just not, he's not just sad, he becomes angry because he is angry at the thing that caused this suffering. Another way we can look at it is that Jesus' guts were wrenched. His insides, his bowels were moved. He felt pain at the pain of this man. He saw the suffering of this leper. He smelled his decaying flesh. But he did not recoil like everyone else did. This man was used to everyone turning away. This man was used to everyone running away and recoiling in horror at the sight of him. But not Jesus. This man was cut off from Jewish life. Every social gathering, everything happening in the synagogue, all the events at the temple, he had no part in because he could not. And when everyone else turned away, Jesus turned toward him. Jesus did the ceremonially, ceremonially, ceremonially unclean thing. He stretched out his hand. This was so improper to do. It was so bold of this man to ask Jesus to make him clean. And this is what Jesus did. No one else wanted to touch him, but Jesus stretches out his hand, and in doing so, he makes him clean, and he declares him clean. At the touch of Jesus, his sores disappear. His limbs and his digits are made whole again. His skin becomes healthy and smooth smooth again. In the Gospels, we're never told that Jesus has compassion on someone because they deserved it. They get compassion from Jesus only because they were in need. And this man had such need. This man had such need. And Jesus is the man of sorrows. He is the man who's closely acquainted with grief. This is the pity of Jesus. He truly felt not just sorry for this man, but he felt pain for this man. The song we sang earlier is, Come ye sinners, come ye sinners. It's a strange thing for God to invite sinners to approach him. But the words he's saying, Come ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love, and power. In your sin, if you recognize your sin, all we need to do is say, God, I have a need. We don't have to come to God with a game plan as to how we're going to fix things. All we need to approach him is our need and Jesus in his pity will reach out his hand and he will touch us is this the Jesus that we believe in in our most low moments when we feel weighed down by guilt and shame do you believe enough to ask him to touch you do you believe enough to ask him to heal you 
what this man did was completely inappropriate. But he asked with such boldness. It was almost as if he there was an uh, inappropriate rudeness to him. Because how would anyone dare, especially you see Jesus coming, you know that he's tired, but you're so desperate to be healed. You're so desperate to be called clean that you're willing to do it. This man was brought to this low moment in his life. He knew what suffering was. He knew what suffering and pain and hurt and isolation was. And he was desperate enough to call out to Jesus. And Jesus very gladly healed him. It made Jesus happy to heal this man. And this is Jesus for us. He is not a disembodied religious figure. He's not someone that we read about in the Bible. He is a personal Lord who knows our pain. He knows our suffering. He knows our loneliness and our isolation. And he is willing and he is glad to heal his people. We have to recognize that we are sick. Again, the song that we sang earlier, Come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If ye tarry until you're better, you will never come at all. This man knew that he would not be better. He could not wait for things to be better in his life before he approached Jesus. He knew that he had to approach him in his gross, disgusting mess. Mess. And Jesus honored that request. This is the heart of Jesus for not just the leper, but his heart for us as well. But then, as we continue on through the text, there is an abrupt shift in the emotion of Jesus. Our, our final points, the priority of Jesus, the priority of Jesus. Jesus tells man, he insists, do not tell anyone about what I did for you. The only thing you should do is you should go to the priest so that you can go through the procedure of being certified clean. But don't tell anyone else. Uh, the, the original Greek of this passage, it communicates to, to the reader that there was actually an anger in Jesus. Jesus was stern in telling him not to tell others. And why did Jesus not, why did Jesus tell him not to tell anyone? And we mentioned this last week, and I'll, I'll say it again, because Jesus didn't want people to view him one-dimensionally. Jesus is not just a physical healer, even though he could do that all day long. His main priority was to preach, and his message was about far more than healing. His message extended beyond what we could see and feel and touch and taste and smell. It goes far beyond that. Jesus was offensive in his message. Jesus was hard to understand for many people. Jesus demanded obedience and sacrifice. Jesus upset the upright moral people. And he made the outcasts and sinners feel loved and welcomed. And all of these things could not be communicated solely by this physical healing. Jesus didn't want his healings to overshadow what he really came for. And of course, we all want healing but very often we don't want to listen to the hard message of Jesus. As we, before we began service, um, David and I were praying, and he he's prayed this. He, he said, so many of us want the king without the kingdom. We want the, the benefits of Jesus without the demands of Jesus. And Jesus recognizes that if the only thing you get from this 
episode is that I'm a physical healer, then you've missed the point. So there's more to the story. So the leper, the the text tells us, he disregards the commands of Jesus. And by telling others about what Jesus did for him, he places an even heavier burden on Jesus. Remember in Capernaum, people see him healing and they crowd him and he says, my work here, in this moment at least, is done. I need to escape. And again, as he heals this man, the leper, he places another burden on Jesus. He needs, Jesus needs to escape Galilee. And the text tells us that he went out and he, to the desolate places, he can no longer openly enter town. And we need to pay attention to what's happening in this text because what's really happening is Jesus has healed this man and this man, in disobeying Jesus, he places a burden. Jesus has to go out to the desolate places because this man would not obey Jesus. And there it is that Jesus trades places with the leper. The leper, this is the man who was outside the city gates. This is the man who was unclean. And as Jesus heals him, he goes and he tells others. And because of that, others want to find Jesus. And that pushes Jesus out to the outer gates. The leper and Jesus trade places. Now Jesus is the one who goes to the outer gates. Now Jesus is the one who is isolated. And in that we see a picture of the gospel, this exchange of places. There is a, um, a story, a true story about the island of Molokai. And um, this is a, a place in Hawaii. And this was back in, I think, the 19th uh, century, um, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, because at this point, there was still, leprosy was still a, uh, it was a more widespread disease than it is today. It was considered highly contagious and there was no care. And there was a government decree that condemned people with leprosy to permanent quarantine on this island called Molokai. And they lived in this, on this island and it was lawless. It was filled with despair. There was both physical and relational and spiritual death on every side. And these lepers, they watched themselves waste away with no hope, no hope for you to care, no community, because no one was coming to care for them. No one was coming to give these lepers what they needed until someone by the name of Father Damien, this was a Catholic um, priest, 33 years old, he decided, I'm going to care for these people of Molokai. And he feared the disease like anyone else would, because everyone's afraid of leprosy. No one wants to get leprosy. But he refused to treat this mission as just a a, a way to check things off his list of spiritual things to do. Instead, Father Damien, he lived among the people. He cared for them with his hands He gave them the love and compassion that no one else would give them. He tended to their wounds. He buried the dead. He celebrated life events with them. He taught them about the faith. He told them about God. He coordinated the building of houses and schools and orphanages. He arranged musical bands and choirs. He gave them self-respect and dignity and a hope. He taught them to love and care for each other. 
he taught them about their God-given value because they were created in the image of God. And every day he would he would sit down and he would speak to these people and he talked talk to them and he developed a relationship with them and he told them about this God who loved them. Until one day he stood up and he began with these words, we lepers, we lepers. Finally, 12 years after he began his ministry to these lepers, he finally got what they had. He was finally infected with leprosy. And I think this is such a beautiful picture of what Christ does for his people. We are all sick unto death. We all have a spiritual leprosy. And Jesus was not some far-off, distant God who dispassionately, dispassionately dropped a set of instructions for us to fix ourselves. He didn't send us a messenger to condemn us. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into our world, and he became one of us. Like Father Damien told the lepers, we lepers, Jesus can also say with us, we human beings. He became one of us. He tasted death. He experienced suffering far more than any of us ever will. And he suffered the disfigurement and pain and death that we should have received. And he stretched out his hand and he healed us. And he took our place as spiritual lepers. He was sent outside the gates. He was shunned by the Father so that we would be accepted by the Father, so that we could live, so that we would be healed. This is what Jesus did for us. Is there anyone among us who feels isolated or sick or in pain or lonely? Jesus will reach out his hands. We will reach out his hand and he will touch us and he will heal us. And the call for us today is not for us to figure out how to fix this disease in our lives. The call for us is to look to Jesus, to hear the gospel, to have confidence in him, to approach him confidently as sinners and say, God, here is my neediness, here is my sickness, here's my pain. What will you do with it? Jesus says, here I am, I will give you myself. Will you pray with me? Father, we uh, forget how sick we are. We forget how sinful we are. Uh, But I pray that you would make it known to us that this is our reality, that we need a Savior. It is not a, a call for us to fix ourselves up. It's not a call for us to be better people so that you would accept us. It's a call for us to be needy before you and to receive the gift of your touch and that we will respond in faith and repentance and hope and uh, reaching out to others in reconciliation as you have for us, God. So I pray that as we consider the story of the leper, that we would see ourselves in it, but that that is not our main identity. It is one of a healed person who is declared clean because Jesus took our sin. He made himself dirty for us. He took on our sin And I pray that this reality would sink deep into our bones. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.